You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Just about everyone can relate to this. After you've consumed and collected all of your bottles and cans of your favorite carbonated beverages, you throw them in your car, take them to the local grocery store's bottle and can return, and get money back from the purchases. There, you contend with lines, machines that routinely spit back your returns for no reason and shut down often for collection or maintenance. And, of course, don't forget all the sticky surfaces and interesting smells. At the end of the process, of course, like I said, you get a receipt for enough money to buy another six-pack. This is how we've done it in Michigan since 1976. But in 2021, recycling rates are dismal here in Michigan. Fewer and fewer people are taking the time and effort to actually return bottles and cans. So why haven't we had a real debate about ways to modernize our bottle and can return law? We want to hear from you today about what you think of Michigan's decades-old bottle and can return law. Do you like the way we do it here? If not, how do you think we should improve the system? And are there ways to bring our bottle and can return system into the 21st century? Or do you think we should just repeal the law altogether? As always, the number here is 313-577-1019, or you can use the hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter. We'll work you into the conversation. Crane's Detroit Business Senior Editor Chad Livengood has been thinking a lot about this subject and writing about it as well. He wrote a piece recently titled, Michigan's bottle bill is a mess. Time for reform or repeal. Chad, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So I I first want to go back to the beginning, uh, 1976, uh, when we passed Michigan's bottle bill. And I'm going to pull a little bit of age rank on you here because I don't think you were quite around yet in 1976, uh, but I was a very small child. And I remember the campaign for the bottle and can law, and it was about litter. That that, At at that point, uh, and I can remember this as a young child, you'd be riding in the car on the freeway and you'd look out the window and what you'd see along the side were glass bottles broken or, or, or cans crushed. Uh, people used to take cans and bottles and, you know, toss them out the window uh, as they drove down the freeway. The bottle bill gets passed in 76, and all of a sudden that looks really different. It still looks pretty different to me. I mean, I don't I don't think things look uh, the way that they did in, in the early 70s. But as you point out in your story, people are not returning these bottles and cans in the in the numbers they were. So let's Let's start with where we started with the bottle bill and where we are now and sort of how we got there over 45 years. Oh, have we lost Chad as well? My goodness, uh, today the phones are just acting crazy. All right, uh, if, if you'd like to join the program and talk about the bottle bill, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We are going to get Chad Live and Good back on the line uh, to have him talk about why he thinks we ought to amend that law or get rid of it. Uh, meanwhile, let's uh, talk about some of the social media comments we already have. Patrick on Twitter says most bottles and cans end up in the landfill now. Doesn't matter if they are returnable or recyclable. Average human will opt for convenience at the expense of the environment. Stop buying single-use containers 
to force manufacturers to create something better. That's a really interesting idea. Ed on Twitter says, either repeal it so people will recycle or increase the charge to 25 cents to make it worth the time to return. That's also an interesting idea. Uh, let's go to Mary in Birmingham. Mary, welcome to Hi the program. There. Hey. I, um, I actually mentioned the 25 cents as well. But, I mean, bottles are just the tip of the iceberg. And since it's such a narrow law, the way it's currently configured, it's really not doing the job. Um, it was pretty revolutionary in the 70s, but um, I think we can't walk away from it because it is absolutely critical that we keep this stuff out of landfills and start talking about single-use packaging as well. Yeah. So, so Mary, do you, do you remember pre-bottle bill, Michigan? Um, I was like six. Okay, so, so you're about yeah. my age. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I just I, I I have such a vivid memory of that campaign, and I'm not sure why it stuck in my mind, but but I do have that incredible uh, memory of what the 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 streets looked like yeah, before. Absolutely. Uh, um, I remember my father saying that it just changed in the woods overnight. He was a hunter, and he would say. Wow, that really made a huge difference uh-huh. in just um, you know the the natural places in Michigan. Yeah. So I mean, I think it worked. Um, there's definitely an opportunity to amend it and improve it. And water bottles are you know just so ubiquitous and so awful. And um, I think that too is you know kind of a symptom of a different thing, which is you know we don't have necessarily the best water infrastructure at this moment in time. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's a great law. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, thanks very much for the call uh, and the thoughts. We do have Chad Livengood back with us uh, now to continue his explanation of why he thinks we need to reform or repeal the bottle law. Chad, uh, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So you were just getting started talking about the history uh, and where we are now with the bottle bill. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've uh, over time, uh, we are recycling less and less of, of recyclable material in Michigan. Back in the 90s, we were always in the high 90% um, uh, range for the number of deposit, uh, deposit bottles and cans that were returned. Um, and for the last uh, 11 years straight, we have been in a, a, a steady decline. And, um, and before COVID, it was about 89% uh, of the uh, roughly four billion uh, bottles uh, of, of pop and beer and, and other um, recyclable material that we uh, we consume every year that that's eligible for the um, bottle bill. About uh, 89% of them were uh, uh, returned. That number is had greatly dropped into the 70% 75% range now. Um, last year we uh, did not return a record 1.08 billion bottles and cans uh, that uh, had the deposit on them, um, partly it was because of, of, of the uh, shutdown for two months when, when stores weren't were taking cans and bottles. And then also there's a backlog. People have still got these things in their garages, or they just simply decided they didn't want to do, deal with the effort of it. They didn't want to go into, uh, into grocery stores. A lot of people aren't, aren't going to grocery stores anymore. They're just getting their, their groceries delivered uh, every day or every week. And so We've got this kind of system that's been kind of exposed by COVID. You know, the whole idea of, of of dirty cans, essentially trash, mm. um, ending up in grocery stores. I went to Mike's Fresh Market at Seven Mile and Livernois, 
And they've got a, you know, like a lot of stores, they got the can return right at the front entrance. But then to get that to their warehouse uh, section of the store, they have to pull this, this bin full of dirty cans through the grocery store, through the produce aisle. And um, you start seeing that. It's like, hmm, that's kind of a stomach turning to think about. Mm. Um, so I've long thought that why do we have uh, our recycling inside of, 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 of places we have fresh food? And, and why don't we get that outside of it? And what, what happened last year was really exposed was when the grocery store stopped taking bottles and cans, there was simply no place to take them, right. and and we have no backup system, no 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 regional recycling centers. A lot of a lot of states have those, so there's at least some other layer of of or entity that will take it. But we've kind of dumped this this job on the uh, on the retail uh, market, and and over time, fewer and fewer of us are taking them back. A lot of people are just throwing them into their into their normal single stream recycling bin. Uh, if they live in cities or, or urban suburban areas and they have those services or the rest of them are just ending up in the trash. Mm. And so uh, even though we think that we are, you know, really like the pioneer and we were the pioneer in this in this space, um, we're, we're recycling about 15 percent of our recyclable material in Michigan. It's one of the lowest rates in the country. Mm. Um, and I think the bottle bill is actually causing some of that. Um, because on top of that, you have there's um, communities have gotten rid of recycling, uh, curbside recycling, because they can't afford it anymore. And that's in part because the most two most valuable pieces of recyclable material, aluminum and PET plastic, are the materials for the, that that are diverted through the bottle bill. So mm. we have two different systems of recycling in Michigan, and one of them is cannibalizing the other um, because the other one can't just be supported simply on cardboard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter, put comments there. We'll try to work you into the conversation that way. Let's go to Tony in Madison Heights. Tony, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, I'm actually at Meyer returning bottles right now. <laughs> See, um, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, Tony. <laughs> and it's certainly not easy. This is my second trip here because when I came on Sunday, one machine was broken and the other basically went out of order while oh. someone ahead of me was trying to return. So just like them, I literally brought everything back out to my car and left. Huh. Um, yeah. I mean, I heard somebody say, like, you know, it's a sake of convenience. I mean, there's certainly nothing convenient about doing this. I mean, and the money you get back is kind of, um, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like a small fortune you get back returning, you know, five or seven dollars in cans. So, so, um, so, Tony, would you would you think that if we raised the deposit to twenty five cents, that would be better somehow? Um. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, um, when, when the pandemic started, I was just putting all my cans and bottles on the curb with the recycling just because I didn't feel comfortable going into these public places Yeah. Um, with all the fear that was surrounding, you know, uh, COVID. Um, but it, it's kind of an odd thing that, that the return numbers are down because I would see people on the local um, yeah. community board saying, like, hey, when are they going to open this back <laughs> up? Because they have a basement full of cans and bottles. Right, um, right. Tony, but, Tony, I appreciate the call. And, of course, here at uh, NPR, we would 
we would call that a sound rich call because we can hear you <laughs> recycling bottles in the background. I I swear I didn't I didn't set that up. That that was completely extemporaneous. That Tony called from Meyer while he was recycling. Uh, what, what do you think of the the, the points though that uh, that Tony was making, Chad? I mean, Tony expresses all the same sentiments almost all of us go through. We go to Meyer and we have a couple of bottles that came from Kroger. They won't take them back. We end up hauling them home with us. Or we throw them away in the trash right there in, in the in the bottling room. I mean, there's just so many things that are just kind of maddening about this system. Mm. Uh, they're not it's not very consumer friendly. Um, and 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 then on the, on, from the retail standpoint, I mean, grocery stores hate this work. Uh, they, they, it is it is very uh, laborious. There it, it requires a lot of space in their in their storage area, and they got to deal with all the other effects and problems that come along with it. Um, and so you know, they went out of this business uh, pretty badly. And so I basically laid out in my column, like, either we need to expand this um, to cover all bottles, mm-hmm. like those plastic water bottles the water that we talked bottles, about, yeah. and, and, and sport drinks and, and energy drinks that don't qualify. I mean, Stephen, there's Cabernet uh, in cans now, um, in the same exact can as, as that Bud Light is put into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our law only uh, says that uh, certain you know, beer and alcohol is, is actually subject to the bottle law. I use the example of the Ohana um, lemonade from, from, um, uh, from Fago, right up Gratiot Avenue. Um, that it doesn't have carbonated water in it. Even though it comes in a two-liter or, or, or 22-ounce bottle, it's the same exact bottle as Rock and Rye uh, or Red Pop, but it is not subject to the bottle bill. And so, again, we have this, this kind of uh, this disparate, two different disjointed systems that um, treat some bottles the same and some bottles differently. Um, and it's very confusing to the consumer, uh, and it doesn't really – uh, promote recycling if you you know you're essentially saying one bottle can be returned and the other bottle um, if you don't have access to to recycling your curbside should be pitched so I think either we expand it greatly and create different ways on infrastructure to um, to return bottles differently than just through through grocery stores yeah. or we just repeal it all together and and adopt universal curbside uh, recycling in every corner of the state. I was going to say, I mean, you know, other states are doing it. We do have curbside in Detroit uh, recycling every other week. And that's where my cans and bottles all go. And I have a lot of them that I generate in my house. Uh, You know, that that bin is full every every two weeks. And I just haul it down to the to the curb and and, you know, it, it gets taken care of. And I assume that that goes to you know, uh, a proper recycling, but uh, but I always wonder, again, why other communities don't do that. And 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 again, your point that because uh, so much of the aluminum and 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 plastic ends up uh, in in um, in the bottle bill returns, that uh, it's not worth it. I mean, it's not worth it financially for communities uh, to do that. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Ellen in St. Clair Shores. Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I think that the bottle bill should be expanded as opposed to uh, eliminated altogether. And I think it's really unfair and misleading to lump the uh, Michigan's abysmal, admittedly abysmal recycling rate with the bottle bill. The bottle rate is effective. Uh, Michigan's recycling rate is abysmal, but the two are not um, not the same thing. Mm. Also, I think that this is merely an attempt to um, 
take the germophobia um, and cleanliness concerns and the hygiene theater that we've had during the pandemic um, and capitalize on that just as we've done with reusable bags, um, as we've done with refillable containers. Hmm. And the CDC has already come out and said that you're very, very unlikely to get COVID from a surface, that this is an airborne contaminant. So we have industry groups that have long been opposed. Um, If you go all the way back to the 50s and the industry creation of the America, uh, Keep America Beautiful thing. Um, So all of these groups are opposed to it. So we're going to capitalize and talk about, ew, gross, they're taking the bottles to the produce aisle. Amazingly enough, nobody has died or gotten sick since the 70s because they're taking the bottles to the produce aisle. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, this again, this is just capitalizing mm. on uh, pandemic germophobia. Mm. Uh, Ellen, thanks very much for the call and, and the comments. Chad, react to what uh, she's saying there, about uh, especially about the bottle bill maybe not being the reason that recycling is so bad in Michigan. Yeah, um, well, I, I think the bottle bill creates a, a false sense of accomplishment uh, that, hey, I, I took my bottles back and I'm recycling. But if you don't, you know, recycle your cardboard and recycle your tin cans, and if you pitch that, uh, that Fago bottle that, that isn't subject to it, you're not really, um, you know, recycling all that you could be. And I think there's a, there's a quite a bit of sentiment out there uh, that, that people do that. Um, and they just they think they've done the minimum to get the money. Um, to earlier point also uh, about, about whether the 10 cents is enough, 10 cents has the buying power from the 70s of about 4 cents. I mean, it's it's not it's not kind of inflation. I didn't introduce the idea of a quarter raising it to a quarter, just knowing that that might that would just be viewed as a tax and uh, and sort of dead on arrival in the legislature. Um, but you know, uh, I, I personally would love to see this bottle bill remain, um, but I don't think that the current form and the status quo is no longer working. When we're we're dropping down to seventy, you know, seventy percent of range. Of, um, of bottles being returned, uh, that's not exactly something to be, you know, proud of uh, when you have a billion cans and bottles that didn't get uh, returned last year. I think we, we might, you know, wait till, wait to see what this year's returns look like. Um, but I have a feeling that uh, people's habits have changed. People are going back to the store. And, and so that, so those routines are changing. And, 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 and the only other way to really uh, get people w- to recycle is to make it easy and convenient at their curbside every week or every other week or some sort of combination in order to um, to uh, facilitate that. So that it goes to recycling plant and it gets sorted out. And that 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 system works, but that system only works if that highly valuable uh, aluminum, uh, which we're turning into F-150s now, and <laughs> and uh, that PET plastic is available to the recyclers to make the economics of this all work. Yeah. Okay, Chad Livengood of Cranes Detroit Business. Always great to have you here on the program. Thanks very much for coming by to talk about uh, recycling. Thanks, Stephen. Okay, that is going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. We're going to talk about home renovation costs, which are through the roof because of the pandemic. We'll talk about why and what it means for families and their homes. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.